For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. Today we look into another chapter of wise sayings found in Proverbs chapter 18. Now let's join Pastor Ross with a study entitled, Roping Calves. Good evening, let's begin with a word of prayer. Focus our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being here. We thank you for your word, which is living and active as you have told us, sharp and ready to do a good work in our hearts and lives. Change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for my own personal experience teaching through these Proverbs, it's been very rewarding. They're having a cumulative effect on me. I see them everywhere, especially in my thoughts and thinking, my behavior. And so it's been really unique. You know, I've never heard anybody teach through the Proverbs like this in my entire Christian life. So I really don't have a template. You know, we just open the book and go through it and uh, teach. What's uh, challenging is that they are randomly placed, right? And so they're these brief one to two sentences that are almost like little sermonettes, one or two sentences, and they just come at you, you know, about wise and foolish living. The greatest challenge for me is trying to cover 25 or 35, uh, somewhere in between, uh, in under an hour, and I'm always thinking, keep this moving, keep this moving, and it sort of reminds me of a rodeo where they let the calf out of the stall, and you've got just, uh, you've got to get that calf roped down and you know it's like the proverb comes out you got to rope it you got to understand it you got to explain it you got to apply it and then you got to move on because there's another calf coming at you you know so I I I in fact got a little over ambitious last time and I and I I skipped over one and so we're going to start with that one now uh, a bunch of you nice ladies uh, we're trying to tell me that, right? Yeah, but you all were speaking at the same time in what sounded to me in different languages. Uh, and so let's begin tonight with uh, the little lonely proverb that got left behind. <laughs> Chapter 17, verse 13 says, if a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. Well, that's not one you want to leave behind. Not all sins are created evil. Some are just more nasty, more lethal, and longer lasting in their consequences than other sins. So here's an example and something to avoid uh, doing at all costs. So this is really the sin of ingratitude, something that God really dis. Uh, likes. It's the sin of ingratitude on steroids. So not only do you not appreciate what's been done for you, a favor, a blessing, a sacrifice, uh, love, uh, helpfulness, kindness, not only do you not appreciate that, but shockingly and with much daring and and as seen only in horror movies, uh, the fool will consciously and intentionally try to harm that person who has done them good. And the Bible just says, you know what? Somebody twisted like that, there's just no nothing in their future but a whole lot of smackdown and trouble and turmoil and pain. That's the gist of that one. So now let's go to 18 and verse 1. An unfriendly man pursues selfish ends. He, defi- de- he defies all sound judgment. Now, um, this is not about a shy, introverted person who likes people but has a struggle with getting to know people or you know, making friends. It's not about that. It's more about kind of a subtle disdain for others, a superior sense of self. You couldn't be bothered to get to know somebody else because you don't really care about others that much. So you're too busy with your own life to bother with the social effort of reaching out 
and being friendly. Now, uh, unfriendly, I just have never understood. I, I, I have not, especially with Christians. An unfriendly Christian is an oxymoron. I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's just one, it, it just doesn't make sense at all. For me, the greatest joy in my entire life is making friends wherever I go and being a friendly person. I, I, I can tell you the sweetest moments. It doesn't matter for me if it's a train, a bus, an elevator, a hospital. It just doesn't matter. I enjoy talking to people. People are generally very open and, and, and want to connect. I was riding my bike today. I rode it here and back today. And uh, I got in stride with another bicyclist. And I said something about the nice weather, better enjoy it, you know? And, and he said, yeah, it's supposed to be hot next week too. And we started talking oh, and, and just enjoying. Now, at, the Bible says, be cautious when making a friend, but being friendly is just being warm and inviting and pleasant and gracious, that kind of person. You just emit that vibe. He says, that, 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 when you're not like that, uh, I mean, what, how do you explain the Holy Spirit is friendly, Christ is friendly, and where are they? Okay, where are those ladies? Where's your suddenly you go? <laughs> when I'm asking for you, nothing, and when I'm not asking for you, you're there. There's a proverb for that. The reason for the unfriendliness, and I, I'm losing time, the calves are coming. Um, <laughs> There's a re- the, the, the reason that it's not only a character flaw to be unfriendly, it's lacking judgment. It's not so smart. Why? Because God created a universe where relationships matter. There are social structures. This is how we have life. And so when you're isolating and you couldn't be bothered connecting and being friendly, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting the community because that's not how God made it. God made it so that we connect with each other. Isolated, you deprive yourself of resources and connections, uh, and you hinder God from doing his thing. Verse two, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Now, raise your hand if you know somebody like this. Just kidding. (laughs) Kidding. Now, here's, here's the deal. Fools are in love with themselves and their own ideas and they think more highly of themselves than they ought. So therefore, they're only interested in letting other people know how creative they are and how smart they are and all the wonderful things that they think. So the fool would rather give his opinion than to acquire knowledge. Verse three, when wickedness comes, so does contempt, and with shame comes disgrace. So. You know, the Bible is really good at telling us there are physical laws. You throw a ball up, it's going to come down. And there are spiritual laws. When you sin, something's going to happen. So when, you, when wickedness comes, so will contempt. This is spiritual law. And when you have contempt or shame, there comes disgrace. And so what I did, is, there's a chain and you cannot break it. God said it. It's just when you do evil, guaranteed 100% of the time, you're, at, you're inviting the following things in. And so what I did was a quick word study on the four words that are in front of you in Hebrew, and I got the synonyms for them. So when you do the wrong thing, when you do evil, these are the words that you are inviting in and you have connected yourself to. Here they are. Guilt, self-disgust. These are what those four Hebrew words mean. Humiliation, shame, Derision means you're the object of mocking, like, look at that. Uh, Mockery, disgrace, dishonor, embarrassment, scandal. Just a shout out to Sherry Williams, because all I wanted was a lit, all I just said is I just need these on a slide. Words, like plain English, right? And look what she did, she created a work of art. I'll tell you what, yeah, just beautiful. So here's Solomon to his son saying, son, you want to do the wrong thing, then could you put that back up there? Thank you. I know know the calves are coming. But um, (laughs) when you next time, next time, next time, you clearly know I should not do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is what you will invite into your life. 
every time. Or God's a liar. And he's not. So don't do that. All right, now, let the calf out. <laughs> the words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Verse 4. Now, talking about the wise, the idea here is the word, words of the wise are an inexhaustible supply of blessing and counsel. The New Testament fulfillment of this, of course, is when we get the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus said in John 7 and verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, from their innermost being shall flow uh, uh, fountains of living water. And so that means refreshment for others. And so uh, even though the well is deep down into our hearts, that wisdom and light and truth and all of this comes uh, out. And isn't it a joy and what an honor to have all the answers for anybody's questions in the whole world about what matters most? (laughs) It's true, you do. What happens when I die? You know. What's heaven like? You know. What is God like? You know. What is God doing in this world? You know. How does the world end? You know because he told it to you. And so from that heart, from the Holy Spirit being within your heart, up comes this bubbling of wisdom all the time. So the question is, are you you a bubbling fountain or a babbling fool? (laughs) Verse 5, it is not good to be partial to the wicked or deprive the innocent of justice. God and justice, while that could be part of his name, you know, and I believe there's probably an Old Testament Hebrew name that says the Lord is just and that's who he is. Um, So God wants justice to be done. Uh, Isaiah 61 and verse 8 says this about the Lord, for speaking first person, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. So in other words, what's not good here is wicked doers, what would be good is wicked doers should get their appropriate penalty and victims of injustice should be protected and proper retribution made to them. In a corrupt and wicked world and in a corrupt administration, these things don't happen for a variety of twisted reasons. And uh, as the word says, it's not good. And when God says something is not good, um, don't do it. Amen. And favoritism, if somebody has something that they need to learn and, and, and you want to show favoritism, you're enabling bad behavior. Some justice, mercy, yes, mercy is important, uh, but justice is as well. And by the way, justice is right around the corner when the Lord appears. Uh, nobody's getting away with anything ever again, forever I'm looking forward to that. Verse six and seven. <laughs> a twofer, two uh, twins, twin calves. <laughs> a fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. And then seven says, a fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. How many in here would say, I have gotten in trouble by something I have said, or shouldn't have said? Okay. <laughs> wow. I know, at least you're honest. You're in church, right? I'm not sure that I saw all the hands go up, though. Yeah, that's what you get for sitting right there, too, by the way. (laughs) All right, uh, here's what I say. Foolish people get themselves into trouble by what they say. The fool's words or leaving their cell phone on. That'll get, you know, that just, that just is bad, folks. There, there are several proverbs about that. In the, in the book of First Balonians. I don't know if you've seen that one or not yet. The fool's words. The fool doesn't, okay, what happens here is the, his mouth invites a beating. Why? Because he doesn't know self-control. If something ticks him off, he's like, whoop. 
You know, he has no self-control. He has no wisdom to say, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't insult his wife. Maybe I shouldn't, I, or flirt with the guy's wife. He has, no, he has no understanding. So out of his mouth is saying, beat me, slap me upside the head. Do you have a bat in your truck? Use it. What are you standing there for? Look at me, right? And so I got a picture of him, you know, look. And, uh, a fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Sorry. The Bible's like, hey, you know, let's just be real about it, all right? Now, conversely, thank you for that picture. They, uh, uh, conversely, the mouth of the wise invites blessing. Invite blessing, right? Uh, verse 8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Here's a set. Oh, I heard that. You all went, mm. You went, oh. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll say it again. I need the sound effect. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Mm. Mm. I know. A sad commentary about fallen human nature. One writer put it this way. There is a flaw in human nature that assures that slander will always have someone happy to lend an ear. Now, um, people love to gossip flat out, flat out. Millions and millions and millions of dollars made because we're interested in what the Kardashians are doing tonight. Right? We're interested in all of that stuff. That's why TMZ or that show or whatever show, Inside Edition. Oh, you've heard it here, folks. Guess what's going on with this person or that person? We are like that. And it just, it starts early too, even with Christians. I got this cartoon thing here. So she's saying, well, Mary, I was shocked, shocked to see Susie chewing gum during church. But then I saw Billy hide a comic book inside his Bible, and Timmy only put one penny in the offering plate when I knew he had, yeah, just cut her off right there. <laughs> now, I, I'm just asking the question. I'm not pointing any fingers. Where did she learn how to do that? Where, where oh, just, I'm just asking. All right, here, here, here's, here, put it back on the verse, please. All right, can you put the choice morsels up? All right, listen. That's exactly the sound you make when someone says to you, hey, you'll never believe what I heard. Nobody knows this. Listen, about John, you know John and Mary, right? Well, get this. John, you're already, you want to know the story, are you? Oh, my word. I saw you leaning in. I saw, I saw ears like growing, like, whoa. I heard the, mmm, this is going to be good. The problem is, and, and here's what it means. It means to swallow greedily to chop down like you're starving, you know? And, and here's the deal. Why does it say it goes down to the deepest parts? Why? Because you and I just think it's just passing through one ear th straight through, and sometimes it is because there's nothing in there. But <laughs> other times it does get stuck and it goes down deep. How do you, how do you get that out of there? You're just saying that what you hear has a deep impact on you and you can't unhear it so quickly be really careful about letting things go down deep like that all right i'm going to read this quote about gossip and then we'll move on let the other calf just rest for a minute <laughs> the holy spirit frequently warns us against such behavior as gossip rumors and gossip are negative reports about other people that are based on uncertain evidence. They are spread to injure people, not help them. Gossip may ultimately turn out to be true, but that does not exonerate those who spread it. If true, then it is given to inappropriate people at the inappropriate times and causes problems. And even though 
So it's so harmful, people often find the words of gossip irresistible and sadly like delectable little pastries, we gobble them down. Those words go down deep inside a person to our very depths. And so a word of warning to the, to the baker who serves it up and to the one who gobbles it down. Be careful. It goes down deep and does stuff. All right, now let, let's go with verse nine. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys Now, another terrible blow to the lazy person who the Holy Spirit has ridiculed pretty much and upside the head and all kinds of things. Uh, uh, He has not been uh, kind to the lazy person. It is just a breach of love. To mooch, mooch, what's the next word? The connecting word, off. Thank you. To mooch off of, thank you, Mark. That's awesome. (laughs) To mooch off other people is just, in God's sight, unacceptable. And so he's, just when you think he's emptied all his uh, arsenal when it comes to warnings and beratings of the slacker, you know, go to the ant, you sluggard. That's what I'm talking about. Go to the ant. Listen, God, the Holy Spirit can talk like this. To the sluggard. Go to the ant, sluggard. The ant has a brain this big. Right? But it's smart enough to know hard work pays off and is necessary, right? And then watch out a little folding of the hands, a little siesta time, you know, a little playing on the video games, a little couch time for me, and whatever it is. And poverty and scarcity will come on you like an armed robber. Now he goes on to say maybe a word picture would help you, the one who slacks. And we're, and we're talking about somebody who cuts corners, does only the bare minimum, sloppy, careless, doesn't follow through, out of just sheer laziness, right? He says, here's a word picture for you. Your brother to someone who comes in and destroys the place, torches the place, turns everything over, wrecks the place, shatters all the windows. You and him, you've got a lot in common. And what a genius move here. Because, you know, lazy. So he's lazy. We make a joke about it. He's lazy like a donkey or whatever. Ha, 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 he's lazy. Oh, no, no, no. A lazy person is a detriment to the company, to the organization, to the family. He's destroying because things that he's not doing, people are depending on. And so instead of advancing and prospering and, and, and being there in, in a time of need, it's not there. Because the person's lazy, didn't follow through. So he says, don't, my son, don't be like that. Verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Just a reminder to everybody, when you're in trouble, son and daughter, there's a lot of ways you can go into a lot of places for help. But it's the Lord's name. It's his person. Run to him and you'll be safe. Uh, I had the, just the fun and the honor and the privilege of taking a friend who the doctors have told uh, he has uh, pretty much terminal cancer and they're, they're through with trying to stop it. So they suggested he go to UCSF for a clinical trial and that was on Tuesday. So he wanted to go talk to them and he and his wife are good friends with us. They helped us start the church. So we went up there uh, together on Tuesday and uh, got some pretty hopeful news. They're going to have him involved in a study, it looks like, uh, or a trial, I should say. But here's why I'm bringing this up. He's run to the Lord. We went out to lunch. It, it, there's such a peace in that family. And, and because they keep running, and, and you have to keep running into the tower. Now, un, uh, and, and the next verse is related, because he's going to say, some people think they have a strong tower. Uh, The wealth of the rich is their strong tower. They imagine it's unscalable wall. So there's a lot of things that people turn to here. We're talking about money. So as believers, we trust in God for protection. And wealthy unbelievers would put their trust in the unstable uh, wealth. So money has a way of duping people into false security. And we think if we just had it, we won the lottery, everything would be cool. 
They imagine it as their uh, tall tower, right? But guess what can scale that? They say, nothing can scale this. I've got so much money. Oh, yeah. Cancer cells can scale that wall. Robbers can't. Hackers, they can get in there. There's a lot of things that the devil He's a good rock climber. He can climb over that wall. He's going to get in there, right? And so you've got to understand that it's the name of the Lord and and God. Come on, deaf. Build your your wall way high. And guess what? There is a, a day appointed. There is a time appointed to everybody wants to die. Wall, no wall. Money, no money. The name of the Lord, now that'll work. Nothing can scale that, not even death. Love it. Verse 12. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Wow, so true. It's so hard. But, you know, the only way, listen, if you haven't experienced humility, then you're not going to heaven. I hate to break it to you. You have to be humble to be able to say, I'm a sinner. I bring nothing to this, to this but my sin. I'm, I'm disqualified. I'm broken in every way. Every cell in my body wants to rebel against you. I, I bring nothing of redemption, no value at all. I am a loser, totally. Unless you can really say that and believe it, God will have to convince you. He'll convince you of that, right? And that's very painful. So before the downfall, everybody's like, yeah, I could do this, and I've got that, and I've got this taken care of. But afterwards, you've got, oh, what a relief. What a relief to know that I, God doesn't, he qualifies me. I don't have to have it all together. Hezekiah, you know, uh, he was a good king, but it was time to go. And Isaiah went to him and I, Isaiah uh, in Second uh, Kings chapter 20 and said, hey, dude, it's time. You're going to die. Get everything in order. The Lord told me. And Hezekiah's all, um, what? Oh, I don't want to die. Oh, and he, wet. he turned his face against the wall and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and told the Lord all the good stuff he's ever done. And, and the Lord said, hey, Isaiah, go back in there and tell him, okay, I saw the tears. I feel bad, too. I'm going to give you 15 years. I mean, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> and so Isaiah goes back in and goes, okay, hey, listen, stop crying. He heard you already. He's gonna give you fame. He's gonna give you 15 more years. And so so he's like, boy, we're gonna put this little thing on you and you're gonna be fine. Right? So here's what Hezekiah, after he realizes God does a miracle to prove that he's gonna come through with it. And then he prays this prayer and he says, I said, I, I'm not gonna see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or, or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down, taken from me like a weaver. I've rolled up my life, just a great picture of it's over. <laughs> and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night, you made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, you made an end of me. I cried like a swift. I moaned like a morning dove. My eyes grew weak. I was dying. I'm being threatened. Lord, come to my aid, but what can I say? He has spoken to me. He, has, he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. I will walk humbly all my years because of what God brought him through. And um, fortunately, he's done that for a lot of us. That the worst thing in our lives turned out to be the best because it brought us humility. A verse 13, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. Um, part of the fool's problem is that they're poor listener. Why are they a poor listener? Because the hard drive is full. And guess what it's full of? Them, right? So, so there's, no, there's no absolutely zero interest in what you have to say in the conversation on the table. All that person is doing is preparing for what he's about to say. He's not even listening to you because you're not important as he is. And so uh, 
I'm just telling you, though, I'm just explaining this to you. I see elbows flying, but that's okay. Part of the fool's problem, this is it. He's self-absorbed or self-centered. The problem isn't with the ears or the attention span. It's a low regard for the other person. So foolish people just want to interject as well without listening to what you have to say because they don't like where the conversation is going. So they blurt out because I don't want to go there. They've sped sped it up and they realize, oh, this is going to, I might have to say I'm sorry at the end of this. I might have to say you're right. I shouldn't have said that or done that. So what they do is just interject before you can finish it, right? That's their foolishness. Verse 14, a man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Um, Well, the importance of a healthy emotional spiritual life. Now, God knows we we tend to neglect the inner life because uh, we're all about the outer life. We spend lots of time with the outer because everybody sees it. But nobody can see the inner, so it's a lot of work. We'll, We'll leave it go. Right, And so what happens there is <laughs> attitudes, thoughts run wild. There's lusts and all kinds of hateful things going on in there. Envy, jealousy, uh, hurt feelings that are festering in some people. Right, And these things can make you emotionally and spiritually a very unwell person. So what happens is when you don't nourish your soul with prayer and the word and Take every thought captive and think on things that are true and right and just and pure and worthy of praise and all of these things. Um, And if you try to live a double life, trust me, you'll just implode. You will implode. If you're not handling your sins right and bringing your cares and your sins to the Father in a healthy way, you're going to implode. You're going to lose, you're going to have despair and all kinds of things. And he's saying, son, daughter, don't do that. Take care of your soul. Now, if you, if you get sick with a flu or with diabetes or whatever, your healthy attitude spiritually will sustain you. But if you get sick spiritually, what are you having to fall back on? I'm saying this and I mean it. I would rather have a physical ailment than a psychological, spiritual problem. Because when it's inside of you, I've had anxiety before. When I first became a Christian, it took me about two years to settle down. I came off of a terrible life, 19 years old, doing terrible things. And so in six months from my salvation, I was off of doing terrible things with terrible people in a Bible college. It was just kind of like this, and I had a lot of anxiety, and it it was very, very painful because you can't get out of it. It's in you, right? You have to take care of yourself, and the more I took care of myself spiritually, the better I was. That's important. Take care of your inner life. Verse 15, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. It means if this is your goal to be wise and understanding, skillfully living life person, you got to want it. Your ears have got to be hungry for it. You get, your ears are like, mm, I want some wisdom. Like anything else, you got to want it. Uh, verse 16, a gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. That's NIV. I want to show you New King James Version because it hits it better. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. The first one, you, can, the, you could be a little bit, it's a little bit ambiguous what's going on. It is not, it does not mean somebody's bribing somebody. It really means that a person's gifts and abilities and the excellence that they strive toward being uh, excellent in their gifting 
that will enable them to be quite useful and you will end up in influential places because of the gift. Now, it can also mean a person who's gracious, who goes throughout life friendly and with something in their hand to give somebody. You know, with kind words or always, you know, in Japan they do this. Uh, they have a saying, you don't go through somebody's door, door posts without something in your hands. There's a Japanese phrase for that. And it is true. Even if you just poke your head in, they have some garden yams or something strawberries or something in their hands, right? Somebody who's gracious, who leads their life kind of with, I have something for you, that you just end up in a good place and a place of influence. Verse 17. The first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. This is my bell ringer for the chapter. I love this because it's been the most helpful to me in ministry. 35 years or so, right? The most helpful. Because when I hear somebody, they'll come with a problem. 90% of the time, there's something missing in the story, or it's spun in such a way that I don't get the full scope of what's happening. And I have learned the hard way over and over again. Wait until you hear the other side. Just wait until you hear the other side. Or poke some questions in it. That's what, it's, what he's saying. Till it's cross-examined. Cross-examine it. So you mean to tell me that John said that? And that doesn't sound like John. Well, he didn't exactly say that, but... Yeah, oh, okay. And then you also mentioned something else. And, and Oh, or give the other person a call. It's unbelievable. But that's, what, that's how it happens. Appearances can be deceiving. So too, the first recount of any kind of uh, issue. Somebody comes to you about somebody. And somebody will. Probably tonight. And they're going to tell you a story about their particular problem. They will, it, it is what they say, how they say it, the parts they play up, the parts they play down, and the parts they leave out. Your job is to get a hold of the other person, right? It's pretty important. I'm questioning whether I have time to go ahead and tell you this one. I'm telling you, uh, years ago, <laughs> years ago, I had a friend and it's kind of an acquaintance who was an associate pastor. This is a million years ago, like when I had long hair, all right? <laughs> uh, and uh, he resigned as an associate. And in our conversation one day, he was telling me all kinds of bad stuff about the lead pastor in conversation. It was, it was kind of subtle, you know. Uh, he felt used and unappreciated, unsupported. Uh, the guy was kind of a control freak and all of this stuff. The lead pastor who he resigned from, okay? So that's what he's saying. So I ran into the lead pastor that I was friends with. And I said, you know, I was talking to John. And uh, he kind of, you know, wow, that was hard, huh? He goes, well, it didn't have to be so hard. You know, so, well, yeah, he resigned, right? Well, well, yeah, he, he said to me this and that, and I told him. And he said, did he include the part about sexual immorality? And I said, oh, no, he left that part out. <laughs> uh, how about the pornography? Oh, no, he, he didn't mention that part. Uh, did he mention that the church uh, paid for his counseling for six months? Oh, no, he missed that part, too. I guess, you know, maybe he hit his head on the way in, and he just, he got amnesia. Yeah, he said, uh, did, did he also mention that we let him resign even though we should have fired him? Yeah. So if pastors play games like that, trust me. Trust me, it's happening. Wait until just poke around, ask questions, and go to the other person. Suspend all judgment until you hear. You think you you think it sounds so good on those legal shows? You're like the first person up to testify. You're like, whoa, yeah, hundred percent. And then the next person gets up or he cross examines, and you're like, oh, I didn't see that, right? Yeah, oh, I didn't see that. Watch out for that. Okay, verse eighteen. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong 
strong opponents apart. So in the Old Testament, sometimes God used this casting of the lot. You know, they didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament. Christ hadn't appeared and died on the cross. The Holy Spirit was not yet given, right? And so God wanted to be gracious in how to find their way in a dark world. And so God kind of let that happen. Now here... He is not advocating. He's just making a statement uh, that he's saying, really, by rolling the dice or flipping a coin, you know, uh, you are going to help negotiate your way out of a conflict. And so all he's saying is if you flip a coin and you both agree, you have a conflict. You say, well, let's flip a a coin. Heads, you, you, you take your livestock and go west. And uh, tails, I'll take the livestock and go east. All right? There you go. And it's done. Did I make a mistake there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, did you get what I meant, though? Okay. So, so can we move on now? All of you with your faces, you know? You're like... That's how I know I said it's something wet. Did I, did I send them both in one direction? Or whatever. Can we let the calf out? (laughs) An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel, like a fortress. Ideally, the wise person, uh, they're good with offenses. They can let it go. They forgive. And Jesus come around and say, hey, you want to be forgiven? (laughs) You better forgive. Right? Uh, But sad but true Something very little can happen. A rude statement, something a Thanksgiving said without even thinking, and it was an argument that didn't even matter. And now, two brothers haven't spoken to each other for 15 years. Don't let that happen. Avoid those kinds of conflicts. Now, we're going to have conflicts with Jesus, with moral issues, over doctrine, those kinds of things. But even then, you're supposed to be gracious and kind and loving, right? So here, the point of this is walls are very easy to put up and they're hard to demolish. So use self-control and use wisdom because insensitive remarks, insults and jabs and envy and sibling rivalry and jealousy uh, can can create insurmountable Barriers. So be careful. Verse 20. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled with the harvest. From his lips, he is satisfied. Uh, It's a very rewarding thing when you're speaking right things and wise things and helpful things and hopeful things and encouraging things and pure things when you're blessing somebody else. And this is the meaning of this is. Not just do your wise words bless other people, but you yourself will find satisfaction. And you've seen it. Somebody comes to you with a problem, you quote a scripture out of your mouth, right? And they light up and they're like, yes, that's what I need. Thank you so much for that. You're like, oh, it's a good thing. So speak right to help other people. But actually, you're going to refresh your own soul as well. So verse 21 The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, this is a good one, because no one knows what that second part means. But I'm about to tell you. Uh, The first clause is pretty easy, because we know what words can do. They can heal or wound. Uh, They can build up or tear down. They can bless or curse. They can encourage or discourage. Uh, Life and death consequences right here, you know. Character assassination, you can kill. You can kill, destroy very easily, right? Uh, In fact, you can be, it's against the law to assassinate with your tongue. It's against the law. It's called slander. You can be sued for slander in a court of law and for libel. Libel is slander written. It's against the law, right? And so he's saying, 
you can do these things, right? It has power or, or death. And those who love it, it's the love the tongue, love to talk. If you enjoy talking, then you will partake of the blessing or the curse, the life or the death that's coming out. So if you enjoy talking, then get ready to, here's what he's saying. Son, make your words sweet, gracious, tender, because it's going to come around and you may have to eat them, right? So you want them sweet. You want to be gracious because you're going to experience the wake of your words, all right? So moving on, 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord, but not just any wife. Job didn't receive favor from the Lord. (laughs) Job did not. Job said, it's praising God, all hell is broken loose and everything's falling apart and he's sitting there just going, we just got to praise God through this and trust Jesus and though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And the wife comes in and you know the story, I say it a lot, the wife comes in, hands on the hips. You pathetic mass of nothingness, or whatever she said. She said, come on, you still holding on to your integrity? Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Are you kidding me? Curse God, get it over with, and die already. He did not find favor. Well, I'm not blaming God. I'm blaming the wife, and however it is he met her. A good wife is implied. He spent chapters one through nine telling how to avoid the wrong one. Chapters one through nine. This is what you're not looking for. Chapter 31, a whole chapter. Here's what you're looking for. So, right? So he knows. And you get one of those 31, you ring the bell. God's blessed you, man. I mean, God has really blessed you. Someone who reveres God, kind, industrious, hardworking, loyal, trustworthy. Uh, um, you're blessed by God. Uh, I think I've got a picture of one of those. What? <laughs> All right. So the one on, the, on your right is Barb. <laughs> that was funny. Come on. That woman, it's not that she could do everything, and you all know she can't. She makes wedding gowns. She doesn't even need one of those, what are they called, patterns? She just makes it up from her head. She she can do anything. She she makes wedding gowns, but she did the wall here. She did this little, the wall. What did I do? I have to buy her tools. I I don't have to. I, I do not own a tool. Somebody asked me, do you have this kind of tool? I'm like, I don't know, ask Barb. (laughs) She she can do it. She's a beautician on top of that. She can do anything, right? But that's not what's amazing about her, right? It's who she is. And the reason I married her is because right away I noticed sunny and mild. This woman is just sunny and mild. Just, just a straight line. I mean, it's a little boring sometimes. It's just a little. Bo- what? I didn't. I said I'm talking about the weatherman. If the weatherman comes on every day in Arizona, what does he say? It's going to be sunny and hot today, right? And then tomorrow, it's going to be sunny and hot. Blue skies, sunny and hot every day in Phoenix, every single day. That's all I meant. That's all I meant. I come from this. Tornado warning, hurricane, famine. Woo, woo, woo. That's it. And then sunny and mild, sunny and mild. Tornado. And so I got a hold of this, and I'm like, I'm marrying you. Don't even try to get away. And she has brought calm to my life. She's been a blessing. Okay, let's stare. We got a few more minutes. She's cute. All right. Let, let, let the calf out. Well, we, I think we only have like two more. Wow. A poor man pleads for mercy, but a rich man answers harshly. Now, this is a good one. Verse 23. 
One's social status determines tone of voice. That's what this observation is all about. Now, a, a humble person of me, and, uh, humble means, is used to asking for help. It's just not like kind of, I mean, you got a lot of poor people who are also rude and, and, and mal-tempered, right? But generally speaking, and if we're talking about a believer who, who's modest, you know, they're by their lifestyle sort of forced into this place of, of a softer, gentler way of living. But a rich guy, and we're assuming he's not saved, uh, is used to giving orders and getting what he wants. And so he answers harshly, I just saw this happen at Pete's. You know, somebody pulled up in something shiny and very envy-prompting. Prompting envy, do you know what that means? It means it makes you want to envy it. Okay, moving on. So there was this beautiful car. Let's try it this way. And out he came, and he went in, and I went in. I ordered my stuff. It's out of half and half. There's no half and half. Oh, no, there's no half and half. What kind of coffee shop is this? There's no half and half. It's a coffee shop, right? Proverbs 18.23, sir. A rich man answers harshly. What? That the guy outside? There's always a guy outside. You, you know, with a little mat. You know, I get something to eat. You bring him out something. It's like, oh, sorry. It's, it's a ham sandwich instead of turkey. Oh, you, you kidding me? Yeah, I'm happy about that. You know, oh, they're out of half and half. Oh, I'm just happy to have something warm for my hands. Thank you. Right there. Last one. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, here's what it's saying. It's better to have one faithful friend than many who may be unreliable. You can have a thousand Facebook friends, and some of you do. <laughs> right on that area. <laughs> right? But you know what? Try this. Try a GoFundMe when you need some money and you're in a jam. Try that. And then you'll find out how many Facebook friends you really have. Or you know what I mean by that, right? And so this is what I say. L listen, be that friend, or how blessed are you to have one friend that biologically even closer. Jonathan and David, come on. His brothers had a hard time with them. They were jealous of David. But Jonathan's like, dude, you are the man. And their souls are like just, that's what it's talking about, the blessing of that uh, kind of thing. And listen, we're close tonight with this good news. Um, you have a friend who sticks closer than any brother the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I have a picture of what he's done when he opens up his hands to you, this friend. All right? So I think I have that one. I don't have that one. Do I have any pictures of him? Oh, it didn't make it on the email. That's all right. I still love you. <laughs> love covers a multitude of... Well, I just... It's a, pro it's a proverb. I didn't mean it like that. I was just thinking of anything that would pop into my head. Listen, I'll tell you what. Jesus, we close with this. Jesus is your friend. A greater friend you don't have. Greater love has no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. And he says, you're my friends, right? So listen, you may have a thousand Facebook friends. You may have a few good friends too. But you do have a friend tonight that maybe you didn't even think about today and maybe you didn't even talk to today but he thought about you and he was near you today and he wants to be with you because he's the friend that will never leave you or forsake you let's pray together Heavenly Father I thank you for your great love and your awesome mercy we just praise you tonight for all these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.